0: Good morning again. <clears throat> hey, as, as many of you guys know, my son, Finn, he graduated middle school this year. And uh, that's, a big, that's a big thing, right? And uh, if you were to ask Finn <laughs> what middle school was like, uh, he will tell you that he really enjoyed those four years of fifth grade through eighth grade. Um, and what was most enjoyable for Finn was the wonderful relationships that he formed, right? Um, hopefully, and truly, hopefully many of those relationships will last a lifetime. And it's a group of really, really nice kids, right? They actually enjoy playing games online, and to our surprise, outside as well. Um, you know, they do things like Fortnite and Rocket League, as well as actually playing football and basketball, disc golf, Ghost in the Graveyard. I never played that when I was a kid. And they like riding their bikes around town and jumping on the trampoline together. And what you're not likely, though, to hear from Finn is how much he loved learning during school. At the middle school, right, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot more about fun than it is for learning for the kids, no question about that. Um, but the reality, the reality is, our kids go to school to actually learn. Every educational environment, right, from public school to home school, studies various subjects to learn things like science, math, right, language arts and the Bible. Uh, Finn learned a ton, and although it was not the most enjoyable part of middle school for him, what he learned formed solid foundations for his understanding, for his knowledge right to grow from. And the subjects he studied were of great value, whether he understands that or not today. Because as Finn goes into high school, those foundations will prove to be very valuable in his ability to learn more advanced material. Much of what he will learn will build from what he already knows. And when he graduates from high school, that advancing knowledge will grow even more when he starts to practically apply what he has learned. In order for Finn to get from where he is to where he wants to go, to where we want him to go, he needs to grow in his knowledge. And much like a student in school, Christians build a foundation of knowledge by studying various subjects. Everything from church history up to and through apologetics and living by the Spirit. All of those subjects build a wonderful foundation. And this morning, we're going to learn a little bit more about the most important subject of all. That's knowing God. We're not going to learn, right, all there is to know about God. But we'll learn to give thanks for genuine faith that grows in the knowledge of God in submission to the Son. So this morning we're going to be back in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, looking at verses 15 through 23. So if you would, please stand with me as I read God's word, starting in Ephesians 1, verses fifteen. verse 15. The Bible says, For this reason, because I have heard of your face in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you have made yourself known to us on the pages of the Holy Scriptures, Lord. Lord, they are inspired, inerrant, infallible, and all about you, your steadfast love, patience, faithfulness, and grace. Lord God, help us to encounter you this morning by opening our eyes and ears and our hearts, Lord. Would your word fall on us like rain here this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, fruit in the life of the one that knows God takes on many forms. Right? My dear friend and brother in the Lord reminded me not long ago that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be fruit inspectors, right? And, and I think he's right in thinking that we shouldn't spend our time judging the work of God in someone else's life. But we should reflect with grace on how we are walking with the Lord. And if we do, I think God will reveal his good work in you and those around you, right? Galatians is the perfect book that defines the fruit of God, right? In verses, in chapter 5, verse 22, it says, verses 22 and 24, it provides this wonderful list of what we should hope to produce as Christians living a life by the Spirit. And this list will make itself known over time in the life of every believer. And if you look at that list, it starts off with the most important fruit of all, love. I would say that everything that comes after love is the result of love. right? The love of Christ, the love for Christ, and the love in Christ. I mean, Jesus himself teaches in Mark chapter 12 that the greatest commandment is love. right? Love for both God and neighbor. One flows from the other. And this section of Ephesians opens with Paul's thankfulness for the genuine faith he hears about in the believers in Ephesus. And what makes him so thankful is that most important fruit of love being revealed in the believers. And as we have learned in the first 14 verses of this letter, we have many, many reasons to love. Who we become in Christ... And what we receive in Christ should cause all Christians to be filled with love. But it's not just love for the Savior. It's love for the saved. And verse 15 says, For this reason, because I've heard of your face in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Thankfulness comes when we learn of God's good work in the lives of those around us. When we hear how someone or a group of people are loving one another, like Paul, it should cause us to be thankful. Many of us have love for those we are close to, but loving the entire body is a different kind of love that comes from genuine faith. I mean, this is the fruit that we hope to see in ourselves and others. Love for the body of Christ, 5 to 95. Right? when our faith is genuine, it will quickly validate itself in the way that you love other Christians. Truly knowing God is loving others who know God. Right? The brother or sister with a tattoo on their face. The single mom who sits in front of you. Right? The black, the brown, white, those in wheelchairs and the ones that will never change. Right, Love. It says in John 7, whoever believes in Jesus, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. When your faith is genuine, the love that Jesus fills you with should overflow onto those around you. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to always love, right? But there is a key to cultivating that love for others. And Paul gives us that key right here in verse 16. He says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Friends, your prayer life will determine an awful lot about your love life. If you are struggling to love someone, may I suggest that you immediately start to give thanks for them in your prayers. Now, the gotcha is it requires not loving yourself as much as you want to. I don't know anyone who needs more prayer than I do. The time of communion with God in prayer is so essential to my walk in the Spirit that I want to use most of it for myself. But Paul provides a great example of how praying becomes life-giving for the one who prays. I think the letter of joy, right, the letter of Philippians, may have flowed from Paul's prayer life. He writes this in chapter one. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership and the gospel from the first day until now. And this is saying that Paul's joy is increased because of his prayers of thankfulness for those in the body of Christ. We learn that the more we pray with thanksgiving for our family in Christ, the more joy we experience and the more love we have for those we pray for. Right? So number one, really simple. Number one, give thanks for genuine faith. And number two, that grows in the knowledge of God. A heart that is truly transformed desires greater transformation for those they love. There are many ways a Christian grows. The book of James in chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 points out that the trials, that trials help grow our strength, right? 1 Peter 5 says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Peter teaches that your endurance grows from suffering. But here in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1, we see that Paul wants those he loves to grow in their knowledge of God. It says in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Now listen, there is much mystery about God. We will never know everything there is to know, right? Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. There are things we will never know, things we should not try to know, because God doesn't want us to know, right? And I love the way the ESV Study Bible actually explains this little section. It says this The Spirit of Wisdom refers to the Holy Spirit's working in Christians to give them insights into God's Word. So Paul's prayer is that we know God through his word to greater degrees. Just like we send our son to school to learn more about history, science, and math, so they grow in their knowledge, the Father sends the Spirit to teach us more about him through his word. And the Spirit uses God's special revelation to increase our knowledge. And that should be the prayer we have for one another, that our knowledge of God would grow through his word. And we know that God is the giver of wisdom and insight through his word, right? Proverbs two 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth, his word, comes knowledge and understanding. For the Christian, God sends the Spirit to help us and give us understanding. And what the Spirit wants us to know in verse 18 is God's eternal plan. Read it with me. It says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. How often, how often have you let your emotions cloud the truth of God's word? Right? We live in a culture that is leaving truth behind and forming its own truth from nothing but feelings and experiences. And this was certainly a battle that the Ephesians dealt with in Bible times. The spiritual life in Ephesus was founded on idols who fulfilled the desires of feelings and emotions in the people. And Paul is careful to pray for enlightenment here in verse 18. And that's really, really important. When we are enlightened, we have clear, crystal clear knowledge. Because ignorance about God's plan only produces confusion, doubt, and instability. So Paul is very intentional to make certain that we first have to know about God's plan and his eternal blessings in Christ. Verse 18 goes on to say that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? The second thing about God we must know is who he has made us to be in Christ. John MacArthur says this in his commentary on Ephesians, there is nothing more to seek, nothing more to be given or received. Friends, in Christ we have it all now and we'll have it for all eternity. Can I get an amen? Amen. We don't have to do anything, guys. When you put your faith In your trust, when you believe the good news that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, you will no longer be defined by what you have done, but by who you are in Christ. And God will lavish on you the blessings that the Father gives his children. Verse 18 is really just a summary statement of verses 3 through 14. Paul is confirming the great truths about your identity in Christ and the gift. This is really, really important. And the gift you become that Jesus gives back to the Father. Yes, you are a treasure and an inheritance for God. I want you to listen to what it says in Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness and he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. There is such joy in knowing what you have received in Christ, but how much better is it when you know that God rejoices over you because you are what he receives in Christ. I May mean, praise be to God. The third thing we need to know about God is the power he gives us in Christ. Verse 19 says this, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places? Now, power is something that Paul longed for himself, right? In Philippians uh, 3.10 and 11, Paul says this, That I may know him, that's Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, become like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And Paul is recognizing the power he possesses to walk the walk God has called him to, here in verse 19. Called him to back there in Philippians. And here in verse 19 Paul wants us to know that God has given us all the power we will ever need to walk the walk he wants us to walk. We don't need to pray for more power, guys. There's no special anointing of power required to share the gospel. You have the power to lay down your life for your wife. You have the power to respect your husband. And kids, you have the power to obey your parents. But the power we have in us is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is what it says in verse number 20. All you really need is an awareness of God's power in you. And let's not forget that when we believed on Jesus, we were filled with the power of God. Romans 8 says over and over and over again, the spirit dwells in those who believe in Jesus. And John 14 says the spirit is with you and dwells in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. On and on the scriptures tell us God is with us and he will not leave us. Knowing God is knowing that his power is with you, in you, to help you. Now some of you here this morning are starting to drive. And when you do, you will experience a whole new kind of freedom. You're going to go all over the place. And you're also going to be asked to go to places, right? Mom and dad are going to ask you to go to the store for them. Drive your brothers or your sisters somewhere. And in order for you to get to where you want to go, you will need gas in your car. If you don't have gas to run the engine, you will have no power to go where your parents want you to go. And in the same way, God desires to move you from where you are to where he wants you to be. He wants us to be more like Jesus is what the Bible teaches. He's taking you, he's taking me from this baby Christian to a mature, strong person of God, and he has provided you the power to do that. In order to grow, we have to know more about God. right? When he builds the foundations and he gives us clarity from his word and power from his person, he's doing that. So we walk in submission to his son, right? Number one, we give thanks for genuine faith. Number two, that grows in the knowledge of God. And number three, in submission to the son. The Bible says this in verse 21 and following. Let's actually start back in verse 20, now that I think about it. I think I don't want you guys to lose the, the context at all. So it says here in verse 20 that he, that's, that's God, um, worked in Christ when he raised him, that's Jesus, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Listen, my kids, clean up their room, oftentimes not happily, when we tell them to. Right? They eat dinner because we tell them to. Right? They go to school because we tell them to. And when they get there, they're told what to do under the authority of their teachers and leaders. When they go to college and then off to work, they will submit to more leaders. There is never a time when you will not submit to someone. Even if you're self-employed, you will submit to your customers. But these verses are saying there is one leader, one leader that everyone will submit to. No matter who you are or what you become, you will ultimately submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Philippians 2. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. It says Jesus here is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And the first thing that comes to mind when I read this is that Jesus is the ultimate ruler of all kings, presidents, and governments, right? There is no power more powerful than him. No matter how powerful they think they are, or how powerful they become, he is more powerful, and they will ultimately submit to him. If they don't do it in this age, they will do it in the one to come. We all know he's coming back, and his power will be on full display. The book of Revelation says so much about kings and the king. Jesus is called the Almighty in Revelation chapter 1. He is over all because he is above all is what it says here. But I want you to notice the progression of power that this text shows us, right? We have authority, power, dominion. It's a growing power, right? It starts off small and gets bigger and bigger, Just like a politician starts off small being a district representative, then becomes a governor, then a vice president, and, and sometimes eventually the president. And with each step he takes, he's given more power and authority, and his or her dominion grows larger and larger. And part of what makes Jesus so gloriously powerful, and the reason he is so far above all rule and authority, is because he is building a kingdom that will ultimately overthrow every other kingdom. And this kingdom that he is building is his church, is what it says, in verses 22 through 23. Jesus' kingdom is built by his kingdom builders that submit to his authority because of his power to take dominion. Now I want to bring this idea of power, this idea of authority and dominion idea down to much more of a personal level. Because I think it's important that we don't just see this as something for the power structures in the world, right, the powers that be, but for ourselves as well. So I want you who thinks they are in authority over their dominion to know that Jesus actually is. Oh, you may not be in submission to that truth, but he is. Whether you're single or married, maybe you have children or even grandchildren. You might be the one paying the bills, feeding the kids, keeping the house organized. You might be the oldest, most responsible, and most intelligent It's not what you achieve that makes you the ruler over your dominion. You are where you are and have responsibility for what you have have because you've been given it by the king above all kings. You answer to him, not to yourself. You need to make sure that you are ruling your kingdom in submission to the one over you, King Jesus. And as a Christian, right, bought by the blood of Christ, you have been given the responsibility to build Christ's kingdom. And it starts with how you rule the one he has put you in charge of. And we need to know to be careful to rule with that most important fruit, love. Compassion. Long-suffering. And we need to prioritize the importance of building the kingdom right where we are, And with those King Jesus has given us. Those he has given you. Now I don't want you to think that this kingdom is going to make the world a better place. Because it's not. But the scripture is super clear that the world is decaying because of sin and will ultimately pass away. But until that time comes, we are called to submit to the ultimate authority. And by his power build his dominion, the church, which he is in fact head over. Not just the building, not just the Sunday morning worship, but those who actually make up the church. Right, Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Christ is supreme over all things. That's what it says in Colossians. That's actually what the whole book of Colossians is about, the supremacy of Christ, right? It's not the Sunday school teachers. It's not the youth leaders, the deacons or pastors and elders. They submit to the ultimate authority, Jesus. He is the head of the house is what it says in Acts 2.36. And when you serve in those capacities, you don't serve yourself, right? You serve Jesus. And we serve in submission to the Son for the purpose of building his kingdom. Everything we do here at Chillicothe Bible Church rolls up into that one glorious truth. Those who serve in those roles, listen, y'all deserve honor and respect. The work you have committed your life to and the time you give is so precious. And for that, I want to say thank you. Right? Our pastors and leaders have taken so much responsibility for that. And I'm exceedingly grateful, right? My children, my children will be grateful. And I want you to know that all of you are so valuable to the work Jesus is doing here. Whether you're on the worship team in the sound booth or balancing the checkbook and everything in between, I am really thankful for you. But I want to encourage you to do what you do for Jesus because of what he has done for you. right? There is freedom in Christ. Glorious freedom. But knowing God is submitting to our king. And doing that. And doing what he wants us to do. right? Earthly kingdoms rule by power and authority. The kingdom of Christ rules by love. It's compassionate. Slow to anger. Long suffering. Because we have been set free from the ruler of this age. And from the power of sin and darkness. Our mission is to make disciples and build Christ's kingdom from generation to generation. We pass on the faith so they can pass on the faith. Knowing God is a wonderful and glorious thing, okay? My hope this morning is that you've just gotten to know a little bit more today, right, about God and built a little bit more of those foundations, right? And the truth is that uh, there will be some of you that are still kind of stuck in your foundations. And I pray that you study the most important subject of all. And that's God, right? I can promise you, I can promise you whether you're 7 or 67 or 77. But the more you get to know God, the more you will want to share with others what you know about God. And the more you will be thankful for genuine faith that grows in the knowledge of God and in submission to the Son. Okay, let's pray. Lord God, I am overwhelmed with thankfulness, Lord. Overwhelmed with what you have done in me and what you've done here at Chili Bible. Father, you have given me the privilege of serving you as the pastor in residence here. But Lord, this time has come to an end and my responsibilities are changing. So Father, I pray and ask that you would be gracious, so gracious to give me the humility to serve you in this church in a different way. Lord, I need grace to submit to those who serve in submission to you. And I thank you for my family at Chili Bible, Lord. And I pray that they would be filled with the fullness of God to the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in his name I pray, amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.